Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Were you in the choir? Like no. Church choir? No. I was really heavy in the church, but not in the choir. Were you? No. I was embarrassed to sing in front of people. Well, you were pregnant. They couldn't show you. Well, that's true. But <laughs> since I was a kid, I was embarrassed to sing. Oh, really? Yeah. My mom wanted to get me in voice lessons, and I was like adamant no. I was so... Should you sing right now on the podcast? <sighs> What's a good song? Well, I sound like a cross between Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> How do you know Jesus? Some sounds. people say I sound like an angel, but <laughs> I'll save that for my recording album <laughs> studio. Uh, so we're going to talk about letting go today. How hard it is God, to let go. This is such a good juicy topic. <laughs> so, Everyone has an experience. Oh, of all things. So I kind of I wanted to bring this up because in my, my uh, master your money group, um, some people in there I have them go through their stuff, get rid of things, sell things. And one of the women in there was like, Danny, how come it's so hard to get rid of stuff? Um, This woman in particular had these clothes, like pants that she bought in some sizes that didn't fit her anymore. And she didn't want to get rid of them. So I suggested when it's hard for me to get rid of something I really like, I try to give it to somebody that I like. So if I have clothes I really love, then I give them to like a friend of mine or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so she said, there's a lady she was going to give them to, but it was still so hard. And I was like, yeah, I get it. And uh, when when I moved into the RV, we had to get rid of so much because you only have so much space. And I remember this one stupid little, uh, it was like a desk. It was a fake piece of grass and it just sits on your desk. It was like a, dec- a desk decoration. And I, we got it for like $12.99 at Target. And we had this garage sale before moving into the RV. And this woman came up and she held it up. She's like, how much for this? And I don't remember what I said, maybe like five bucks. She's like, how about a dollar? And I just remember cringing like, oh. <laughs> And I was thinking in my head, I can't take a dollar for that. How dare you? And then I was like, in the other part of my head going, where the fuck are you going to put it in the RV? You can't have that thing. And so I was like, Fine. It's worth five, but not one. <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> so she paid me a dollar for that. And it just like, it was so hard to let it go. And why? It didn't even have sentimental value. It was a fake piece of grass. And yet it was so difficult. And the big thing I learned during that downsizing into the RV was how hard it was to let go of stuff. And stuff that I probably wouldn't use, but what if, and probably wouldn't see again, but what if I needed it? And so I, yeah, I wanted to talk about that because it's not just letting go of things like that, but also relationships that we know that aren't good for us or leaving a job that we shouldn't be in anymore. And so I thought it would be fun to talk about that. Yeah. We can definitely talk about it in so many, in like multiple regards, you know, as we were doing some notes ahead of time, I was thinking about, this is kind of like a, there's something about this. That's a control thing and a, like a certainty thing. And then it's all and like a FOMO thing. So it's pretty juicy. Like I think we can start with just getting rid of stuff. So a lot of people don't like to get rid of things for maybe two reasons. One, they either think they might need it at some point. So like, what's the psychology of that? Like, how do you know, how can you know for sure that like, okay, I'm going to get rid of this dress. Like, for example, I don't know, do you have, like, I got married in the courthouse, um, but I had, and I got married in like a sundress, like, a, like it was not an expensive, like it's just a sundress and I still have it, but I'm like, I've never, I've only worn it one time yeah, and it was on my wedding, quote, wedding day. 
And I'm like, why do I still have it? I still bring it from like place to place. <laughs> yeah. I brought that shit from North Carolina to LA. I want to see this. And then like five different, it's not anything special. Like I'm not even going to show it to you. It's so stupid. <laughs> but like, why is it that we have this? Like, I'm sure that I, if I gave it away, I would never think of it again. Like totally. I would never be like, let me try on that. I've never once even put it on since then. Yeah. I think a lot of it, especially with stuff and maybe clothes in particular, it's um, holding on to that memory or that piece of ourselves or who we were. And so, um, you know, it was like the hope that you had getting married. And so it's kind of like, if you get rid of that, then somehow you're getting rid of the memory, mm-hmm. even though, you know, mm-hmm. that's not where the memory is stored. And you also know you'll probably never wear it again. Yeah. Like yeah. my question to you is, have you, when you've given away stuff to charity, let's just say you're like, okay, we're moving. We got to put a whole bunch of stuff in bags. Everyone does, like if you do spring cleaning, some people do a one-in-one, which I think is really smart. If they bring in a new article of clothing, they have to get rid of one. Um, I've given away tons, huge bags of clothes. Yeah. 90% of my closet is Jill's old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, but like, have you ever been like, ah, I wish I still had that? No, I mean, very rarely. A few times I've seen an old picture and I'm like, oh, I remember that top or I remember those pants. I wish I had it. But then I'd think back and I was like, well, when I had it, I actually hardly ever wore it. It was like a special occasion thing and I just would never wear it anyway. So not really. Most of the time I don't even remember. Sometimes you know? giving away stuff is like, it's both uh, like, it, it kind of feels a little painful, but it's also cleansing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like once you do it, you're like, oh. This feels so like, especially when you guys went to the RV, you're probably like, oh, this is like, it feels so like a clean slate almost, you know, like spring cleaning feels so good every time you like, every time I've moved four times in the last five years. And every time I do, it just feels like a clean slate. I've accumulated a lot of shit since I came to LA, but it feels nice to like, just, it does, I think, but you know, we know some people who are hoarders that like they'll keep everything from like pieces of paper to mail to coupons from like 1990 to like (laughs) magnets. Like, I don't like, what is that there? It's funny because I, I know when I when I moved into the RV, I know it feels good to get rid of stuff, but the actual doing it feels like pulling teeth sometimes. So I think sometimes we just don't want to go through the process or like face the thing. So after, after my uh, divorce or after we were separated, I just put everything in about, I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to deal with it. I was like, I don't want to get rid of it because who knows, but I couldn't actually like deal with it either. And so I think that really we just give so much energy and um, emotion to things. So I don't know the psychology of hoarding or why people hang on to stuff. However, I, what I imagine is, is they create a much stronger emotional attachment to the thing, which I don't know, I should look that up, but I feel like that's the only way you could just want to hang on to it so bad. Or there's something like maybe, you know, for our grandparents who maybe were um, in the depression mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, they needed stuff that they mm-hmm. didn't have, that they yep. have that mentality of like, I might not get it again. Right. But we're in a place now and we're in a time in society that literally you can get anything probably the next day if you don't have it. So that was a big thing for me that I had to remind myself when I got rid of, like when I emptied my storage unit and got rid of it, I know we had like appliances that we sold. And I remember thinking, well, I, what if I move into a new house and I, we have a really nice washer and dryer and we have a really nice fridge. And I was like, I can just buy it again. I literally could just buy another fridge again. I could literally just buy anything again and it could be delivered the next day. And I could even get a deal again. I think that's it too. Sometimes we're like, well, I got a deal. So I don't want to get rid of it. It's like, you could get a deal again. You could get anything twice, but I think there's, it's a fear of 
not having access again or not being able to get the same deal again. It's definitely a FOMO issue, right? Like kind of a scarcity issue of like, I might need this. Also, it's a familiarity issue, right? Especially because you're just used to having this stuff around. So for if you are someone who really values certainty and familiarity, right? Like they've shown that most of us like left her on our, you know, natural devices would rather choose certainty over unfamiliarity. We'd prefer even a familiar misery over maybe seeing what else is out there, which kind of brings us into like segging into jobs and relationships, right? So, you know, uh, I think Tim Ferriss had a quote that I just love. And he said, people will choose unhappiness over uncertainty. It's like, I'm going to stay in this relationship because at least I know what I'm going to get. You know, it might not be the best. I have a lot of complaints constantly, you know, venting to my girlfriends about it, but at least I know what I'm going to get. And there's something really trustworthy about familiarity that you go, okay, well, you know, I know what I'm going to get. So there's no, not going to be any surprises. And at least I know I can handle this bad thing. Who knows if I can handle the next iteration of a relationship. Who knows if I can handle being single? Who knows if I can handle being out on my own? Who knows if I can handle being in a new relationship? What if that what if that new relationship is even worse than this? Yep. You know, and so like you always talk about the Brenda Bouchard like outcome pain. What if the what if I leave this relationship and I can't find anyone else and I'm alone? And what if I leave this relationship and I get into a worse relationship yep. or someone who treats me even worse than this? And why and they've actually shown a research this is called the negativity bias where we always tend to focus more on the negative than we do on the positive. We never, like the the default human brain, I think is to be scared and to be fearful and to be protective, obviously a protective mechanism. But at the end of the day, like we have a hard time thinking about positive possibilities. I think it is why some people cheat. There's obviously, we talked about cheating a lot and there's cheating for so many different reasons, but to get into another relationship before the other, like they let the other one go. I used to call it monkey bar, like monkey bar. So you grab onto one bar and then you, as soon as you grab onto one, then you could let go of the other. So you're kind of like getting into a new relationship before you let the other one. So that way you're clear, which I always thought was unfair to the other person. Of course, um, of course cheating is both people. Yeah. In, <laughs> in, All people. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but just to your quote, that you just said, there's a similar one, Tishnot Han, I think he's a monk or something, an old Thai dude. So people have a hard time letting go of their suffering. Out of fear of the unknown, they prefer suffering that is familiar. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting because we do, we would rather hang on to something that is hurting us, that is or suffering it's not working. us. Yeah. yeah. Then something that we just don't know. We don't know the outcome. Well, you know, we see this all the time in health and fitness too, don't we? Like, I don't know, like doing hours of cardio. There was probably a moment where you and I, when we were obsessed with exercise, that we knew it wasn't working. Like we actually knew it wasn't working. I'm like, okay, I'm doing two hours of cardio every single day and I'm literally not getting any leaner. In fact, I'm getting probably softer, maybe even gaining weight. And, but I'm going to keep showing up and keep doing it because I don't know what the alternative is. The alternative is scarier right? It's like, oh my God, but like this has to be the way, even though it's not even getting you the outcome that you want. So it's a control issue too. Yep. Letting go of, yeah, that diet exercise mentality. Cause it was like, well, if I don't do this, then I'm going to really blow up. Right. And then, but we don't even know that's the case. I mean, that's the, so, so many reasons why people stay in bad situations or keep doing things that they hate or stay in routines that they absolutely hate is because they don't know what the alternative can look like, you know, that it could be better. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why it's hard to let go is we want to go back to the past. So in that example, it's like 
at one point what we were doing was working. Yep. So we just want it to be mm. that way again. And maybe same with the wedding dress or, or relationship like that. even like it's when we first like, yeah. got together, things were so great. Let's see if we can get back to that. Yes. Yes. It's like, we're hanging on. I remember actually when I kept some of my stuff from we weren't divorced yet and I didn't want to get rid of everything. Cause I was like, well, what if we do get back together yeah. again? And I'll be upset that I burned our wedding books <laughs> um, <laughs> or sold my wedding ring. So I think there is um, like almost a nostalgia mm. and just maybe just a wanting to go back. And I think another thing is um, we're missing that a feeling that something gave us. So we, we associate the object or the person with a certain feeling. It's kind of the same thing, but you know, somebody who really used to make you feel good, maybe they don't anymore, but you're still, it may be a friendship, you know, a friend who you've outgrown, they've outgrown, like you just don't have the Mm. same um, things anymore, but you just miss that old time you used to have or, even maybe like I know with smaller clothes, like I remember mm. feeling so sexy in this outfit and I miss that feeling of feeling sexy and I can't fit in it to it anymore, but maybe I will. So I'm just, but if I get, it. and if I get rid of this smaller size, does that mean I'm giving up hope? Mm-hmm. Does that mean that I'm just giving up? Yep. Does that mean that I'm just complacent that I'm not going to try still? Yep. And I could tell you as someone who kept, and believe me, I'm not a size four, but I kept fours in my fucking closet for a long time being like one day, one day. And then I had to like come to the realization that like, okay, like how about I might never. And guess what? Stores sell fours yep. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like the clothes are going to be there. You know, one of the things, that I think is important to bring up, especially around the fitness and nutrition. Just as an example, when we talk about control, using obsessive exercise or obsessive, you know, counting and measuring and food rules as a way to feel in control, even when uh, objectively you know that they're not working. When you're in that place, it's it's like, and we've talked about this before, how I kind of see trust and control being opposites, like the opposite of control, having to control something so much is just trusting. And I hate the term trust the process, even though that really is part of it or trust yourself even. But it's been interesting because I'm right now I'm doing this um, six week nutrition course uh, for moderation 365. And some of the things I'm having some of the girls do is things like preemptive cheats and something we've talked, we've talked about on some of the other episodes where they can actually make their meals more satisfying by adding small kind of nutritional gimmies like, you know, a little piece of chocolate or some cheese or like some, you know, avocado or bacon or these just things that maybe typically don't see as really healthy. So I'm having the girls do that. And it's funny, one of the girls said, wow, last week I ended up, you know, eating a lot of the things just to satisfaction. And I was so scared that I was going to just gain so much weight. And I stepped on the scale and literally it hasn't budged. And I, so I think you have to have these trust building moments that you're so scared of. Like luckily for these gals, they're in a group where I was like basically telling them what to do. Like, and you know, and I've, I've too had the experience of getting out of that obsessive mentality, trying something else and that something else working. So I'm able to say, Hey, I know you don't believe me yet but you will. And let me show you and let's have the experiential, you know? And so she's been able to kind of see, okay, wow, I, I, I can trust myself. There is another way. So I think you have to, it's hard. It's like catch 22. It's like, do you jump once you know for sure it's going to work? I don't think you do. I think you jump first and then trust yourself. And what I always tell my girls is, 
the old way is always going to be there, yep. right? Like the four, the size four clothes are always going to be in stores, right? If you need a new fridge, you can always go and buy one and get a deal, by the way. If you, you know, feel like you're gaining weight on this new way of doing things, you can always go back to the obsessive shit, even though that wasn't working either. At least it was familiar. So like the old familiar ways aren't going anywhere. Look, you can just hoard your next place if you get, <laughs> yeah. if you get it rid of everything. You Look, s- you can start just hoarding stuff you now. You can start fresh with a new hoarding garage. All right, we're going to take a quick break in this episode to give a shout out to our sponsor, noissue.co. So No Issue is a customizable uh, packaging company. You guys, I, you just have to go to the website. It's so hard to explain. Well, it's not hard to explain, but it's really cool. I don't know if it's as cool to hear as it is, as it is to see. So No Issue provides brands and businesses access to custom sustainable packaging. So they have mailers, tissue paper, you can upload your logo, make everything really customizable. I mean, I could see you guys doing these for parties, weddings, events. It's just really, really fun. It's a fun way to like put your branding and um, your personal touch on gifts that you can send to clients, to customers, to friends and family. And it's a way that is sustainable. All the products have customizable tissue, there's stickers, there's tapes, they're all compostable, they're printed with soy-based inks. Um, the mailers are 100% compostable and the prices vary, but they try to keep their minimum order quantities really low. So no matter how big your business, you can afford and have access to the brand and packaging. And this is just a really great way to create recognition throughout your whole customer experience or even um, your event that you're hosting. And it adds just a nice touch of personalization. People remember that stuff. People remember the details. So I'm really excited to have No Issue sponsor the podcast. And we're so grateful for these sponsors, y'all, because this is how we keep the podcast going. And during this pandemic time, you know, companies are pulling back on marketing and branding. And I think that this is a time to really push our messages. And so we really appreciate go to noissue.co. And as always, if you use the best life at checkout, you're going to save some, save some dough. Didn't mean to rhyme, but anyway. All right. We love you. And we'll be back to the show. I like that point and it is true. However, for jobs and relationships, Mm. it may Mm. not be true. Right. And that is what can be super scary, right? If you decide I'm going to bounce out of this relationship, maybe you come back, you're like, I made a mistake and they've moved on. And so I think we're afraid and same with jobs. Like I might not get hired back, but I've always, I've found that when the people left the relationships or the jobs, because I remember thinking this when I left my city job, I was like, what if I can't make it as a trainer? Um, I was still so relieved that I was like, I could find a new job or even a new relationship. I remember breaking up with a a boyfriend before I met my husband and I was scared, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And once I got out, I actually was relieved and I didn't find myself wanting to go back to that. And I think some people still do. They're like, oh, I miss my ex. But it's really, again, it's back to the nostalgia that what you miss, you kind of gloss over the things that the reasons why you broke up or the reasons why they you left your job that in the first studies place. that like people, um, when they look back at old relationships, they only preferentially remember the good times. Mm-hmm. They don't remember why they broke up, you know, and I've had the same experience. I think quitting a job, especially a job that you are like absolutely miserable in, I can tell you from my experience too, I was like so relieved. I was like, why the fuck didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. 
Like you can figure it out. You're resourceful. Like I know we've talked about that in several episodes and, you know, Danny's talked about, um, you know, like we talk about budget and find the money and stuff. Like you can be resourceful. Like there are ways, there are people lined up to help you and like you can make it work. I think the hardest part is making that jump. And I think if you're sitting around waiting for the circumstances to be perfect, they're never going to be. You're never going to be perfect to leave a job. Like I remember making at Jill Fit before I quit, um, I was making $40,000 a year at my full-time uh, corporate job, which was just running a fitness center at a university, making 40 grand a year. And I remember just, and then after I took out taxes and everything, I was getting paid like, I don't know, maybe 1400 twice a month or something, which was great and fine. I was grateful for it. But I remember just more so feeling attached to the, the to every two weeks getting the paycheck. Didn't even matter what it was. It was just literally the consistency mm. that was the thing that was keeping me there. And then once I quit, and I remember I was thinking about quitting for about a year, and I just, it was, it's one of those things where like, you're thinking about, thinking about, thinking about it. No, no, no. And then all of a sudden, like just one, the tiniest little thing happens and you're like, I'm fucking out. Like I just threw the papers up and I'm like, I'm out. And I think that's what happens a lot of the time is once it starts to be on it and people reach out to you and I all the time and they're like, I'm thinking about doing this. And we tell them you're, it's going to happen because you're already on the path. Like you're already, you're already like putting things in motion. And I remember I made 120 grand in the next year at Jill Fit because I was so scared. Oh my God. But it was like almost just like opening up the energy and the time and the mental space. So I made literally three times more the following year doing what I loved. Yep. And it's so hard, but you got to have faith. Yeah, you do. You really do. Um, one of the things that I've, I've also realized um, why it's hard to let go is sometimes it feels like you're letting go of a part of you, mm. like you're let, like how things should have been. Like, let's say a relationship. Like for me, I remember I was separated for almost a year before we got a divorce and the actual divorce felt like the nail in the coffin. I felt like it was letting go of like, well, we were supposed to have a 10 year anniversary. We we're supposed to be, you know, together forever. And so it was really tough to make that decision because it felt so final. And sometimes I think it's hard for us to let go because we think things should have been different, maybe even with a job, but you know, I was supposed to like become the boss and I never got the promotion or I was supposed mm, to, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe with the clothes, maybe you had some pregnancy clothes and you're trying to get pregnant and you're finally realizing you never can. And it's like letting go of Mm. that. I know I've heard and I've seen my sister-in-law and some moms of really struggling to let go of their baby stuff. They're like, my kids are growing. And it's like the thought that I'm never going to have a baby again. Mm. And I'm just like, but you don't, in my mind, I'm going just, it's just clothes. It's just baby stuff. But it is that it's like letting go of the, what could be. And I think that is a a piece too, that makes it hard to let go of things. The potential is really tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean like the potential of like maybe getting down to that smaller size or, you know, this, this, you know, relationship looks like it could be really good on paper. You know, why, you know, it could be like, if you just have a couple little changes and then I think you eventually have to look at the reality of things, you know, what's the quote by Einstein? If you keep doing the same thing over and over Mm -hmm. and expecting a different result, it's called insanity. And I think it's like, you have to get to the point where you're going, okay, like I want it to be different, but it's just not. So there's something really cleansing about deciding to move on. You know, there's so much, and I love that you always talk about like scarcity in terms of like money. And we talk about it in terms of business and we talk about in terms of relationships and it's so applicable to everything. I think about even and I check myself, like when I start to notice myself, like becoming oddly like scarce about stuff or like having FOMO about things, I'm like, Jill, like to me that is neurotic and I don't want to live in that place. Like, so if you know someone and everyone knows this person, maybe you even are this person who goes on like a trip and you're like, okay, we're in, I don't know, we're in 
Miami, and this might be the only time we can ever come here. So we have to make sure we get up and we're out the door by 7.30 and we have a full itinerary. And like, if you've ever traveled with, I don't know, my parents are like this, but like literally they just feel like they have to get their time's worth. And to me, that is the opposite of relaxing. Like we're on vacation. Like I want to chill and go see things in my own time. And like, and I think if you remind yourself like, Hey, you can come back here. Like Miami's not going anywhere or Paris isn't going anywhere. And like, yes, I know that like we have a lot of competing priorities, but it's not off the table forever. So it's okay to like not have that scarce energy, even when you're just going on vacation, because that kind of is the opposite of the point. Right. And so I notice these things and I try to think about, cause I, I definitely can fall into scarcity at times too. Of like, Oh my God, there's not gonna be enough, or I'm not going to get the full experience. And it's like, that's only, you only miss out if you decide that you're missing out. Yep. Right. And even regret is a choice, you know? So when you think back to like, ah, oh, like I never got back to Paris. I'd love to go back. I so regret not seeing the Eiffel Tower or whatever, you know, it's like, could you live with that? You know, can you decide that like, you're okay without that, you know, or that you left that job. And even though there were some great parts of it, you don't have to regret leaving like that relationship. Yeah. There were great parts of it, but regret is a choice. I I love that because I was kind of pr- tying into the next thing is like the only meaning anything has is the meaning you give it. Mm. So if you're saying that you're going to miss out, if you didn't see every single thing on your t- itinerary, then you're going to feel like you missed out versus if you just say, Hey, I'm here to enjoy my time and I'm going to see what's meant for me. And I'm going to, I mean, there's been so many, trust. Yeah. so many vacations I've taken where I didn't really have an agenda and just so, so many cool things opened up because I didn't have an agenda. And if I had been stuck to like my piece of paper, I would have missed out on that. And so I think it's important to be like have plans, but be loose with them, but also realize that you are creating the meaning of whatever is happening. You're creating the meaning, whether or not if you leave a relationship, that means you're quote giving up or you're, you mm. know, losing versus you're doing something for yourself. Mm. Um, if you're getting rid of your small clothes, if you're telling yourself, well, if I do that, that means I'm never going to get in shape again. That's, that's a something you're just telling yourself. And all of this stuff comes back to, I think, everything comes down to practicing. It's a practice that we talk about Mm -hmm. food and and mindfulness. And when you said the one for one, I started doing um, two for one because the RV was so small that if we brought any one thing in, I'd have to get rid of two things. Mm -hmm. Now it didn't have to be equal. So if I brought in, like if I bought new shoes, I didn't have to get get rid of two pairs of shoes, but I'd have to get rid of two things. If it was a kitchen appliance and something else, but I had to get rid of two things because there just wasn't enough space. And it made me think one more mindfully about the stuff I brought in. Like, do I really want this? And two, it made me have to get rid of things, even if I was cringing, not wanting to. And actually, every time I've gotten rid of something and finally let it go, once it was gone, then it was like out of my mind. Like you said earlier about the clothes. Did you ever wish you had that again? And I was like, not really. You kind of forget about it. You, So many people probably listening to this have a storage unit and you probably have shit in there for years. Like... You don't know what's in it. You don't know what's in there and it probably can just go. Like you could just sell, donate, and toss. Torch it, baby. Probably all of it. <laughs> Light it on fire and save yourself $100 a month. And Get take that insurance money. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember right after money. college, my mom, she's 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 not really like super sentimental, but I remember she was just, they were moving and she just goes, Jill, I need you to come home and you need to look through all your shit and it's either throw, stow, or go. <laughs> I was like, okay. You're like, all right, yeah, we, we go. either store it or you take it with you or yep. you throw it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's true. It's true. Can you do that with people? Throw, stow, or go. <laughs> like, hmm, you probably could. Maybe stow a few You know, people. this is such a good conversation because it does span so many different areas. You know, I think sometimes we think about letting go and, and we should probably do maybe a whole other episode on just 
breakups in general and how hard they are, you know, whether you're married, whether you're just together with someone, even if you're just starting to date someone that you feel really like, I know we get a lot of messages from girls who are like, you know, this is so silly how attached I feel. I've only been seeing this person for three months, but I feel really attached. And like it is, it's, I think a lot of times it does come down to letting the possibility of what could be you know, and the fear of like, I'm wasting my time or was that just a waste of time? Like we all kind of have those. I mean, obviously Danny and I had those in our marriages too. Was that just a big waste of time? Um, we should probably do like a whole maybe separate episode on that, but the feeling of letting go is it's a toughie Yeah, across the board. And I wonder too, if, if it, I'm curious and I don't know, but if you have a hard time letting go of certain things like clothes and stuff, if you also have a harder time letting go of relationships and mm. you also like, I'm curious mm-hmm. if that kind of goes across all things. The one last one I just wanted to bring up was find this interesting and no offense to anybody on here who's done this, but wedding dresses that you save for your future daughter. So my mom saved my wedding dress for me. Y'all, she got married in the seventies. That shit had puffy sleeves. <laughs> it was yellow. I, and she told me, why don't you save your wedding dress for maybe your daughter? I was like, no, because this shit will not be in style in however many years, if there's even a daughter to have a wedding. Right. I was like, and anybody who is getting married wants to buy their own dress, not their mom's old ass <laughs> yellow dress. So I'm just going to say, actually, I don't care if you are offended. If you're saving your dress for your daughter, do her a fucking favor and get rid of that dress. <laughs> That's so funny. I'll have to ask. A couple of years ago, I was helping Nagar um, clean out her place when she was moving. And she had this big fucking, she likes crafts. She had this big box, storage box, full of custom stamps. Like, I was, that she got made. I was like, are you, do you do stamps? Like, do you do crafting? She goes, oh yeah, I used to all the time. Like, when her son was young. I was like, when was the last time you did any sort of crafting? She's like, I don't know, like 10 years. I was like, okay, he's going. And she was like, no. She's like, these were all custom. I was like, when the fuck are you going to use these stamps ever? And she was like, I know, I know. And I was like, just get rid of him. I have to ask her if she misses him. Oh, I love it's it. It's so funny. We, it's I a joke. It's an ongoing I'm joke. I'm glad you did that because I think we all need a friend to help us. I have a client yes. right now who has stuff in her house. And I was like, you need to get a friend to come over who's just ruthless and is like, do you need this? Go. When I first moved my, moved out of my first apartment, my best friend came over. I just was so overwhelmed and just sitting. And like, you have to go through it. And then you, did, you, you start, went through my stuff in Venice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you start reminiscing and it's taking you so long. You just need a friend to be like, hey, this is going, and just to argue with you and just be like, no, you're getting like, this has been here for 10 years. No, it's going like, we all need that friend. And you know, if you are that friend too, you love doing it. It's, it's so necessary. So Danny made me get rid of all my banana Republic. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't care if they were size four, they were out of style and they were hideous. <laughs> well, I, I know I, I, I used to dress a lot more conservative than I do now. Oh my God. And so I don't know why I just, I was like, Oh, they're so cute. Like, was I going to business meetings? What was I doing with those? I was going to like board meetings. They were like, they were long. They were like mom jeans, but dresses for, I don't know what kind of person you were, but I was really <laughs> modest. I was in J crew preppy. Yeah. Something hilarious. Oh, that's another thing too. I think we hang on to clothes for so long and it's like, Maybe okay, it'll come back into style. You should, like, cool, maybe that size is what you're stuck to, but by the time you fit into it, it's not in style anymore. I had some really cute jeans that I love that didn't fit me well, but they were all, like, with the bedazzled back pockets and, like, the white stitch sides. Like, no, I should not be wearing that But sh- But they could come back in style in 20 years, that's so we true. should maybe hold on to them for 20 years. I know. That's true. No, just kidding, guys. No, just kidding. You can Get buy it, it throw it's it. in style again. Throw, stow, or go. <laughs> Linda. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tell us what you're getting rid of. Tell us if you're getting 
kicking husbands and children and dogs out or <laughs> um, getting rid of uh, some of your stuff. I want to challenge you guys to go through your closets and get rid of anything that does not fit you. Too big, too small. Yep. Just only wear stuff that fits you and makes you feel good. Yeah, That's your don't, challenge. Don't make it about you're bad, you're good, or it's it's wrong or right. Just get rid of it. Yep. Clear Love some, it. Clear some space. That's my challenge. Hit us up on IG. Let us know you did it. Take a before and after picture of your closet. And um, we'll give you a prize. The prize might just be a a thumbs up and the DM, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we love you. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.